0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with Terry Cainfield. She is back. She's an author and a lawyer, and she often posts Twitter threads that are filled with factual information and that helps all of us understand what's going on and keeps us from going down that dark path doomed rabbit hole. And we do actually talk about that. We we go over a particular thread of hers, which is titled oligarchy versus democracy. So she's breaking it down and talking about how so many people just look at what Trump does in the perspective of what uh, a dem- uh, I sh- I should say a president would do in a democracy that was trying to uphold democracy. So we see him as screwing it all up, but he's not. Because he's not trying to run a healthy democracy. He is trying to run a healthy oligarchy. So he is not screwing anything up. He's doing exactly what the Republican Party wants him to do and what Vladimir Putin wants him to do and what he wants to do because he loves dictators. You know, he loves authoritarians. So he isn't um, the idiot that everyone thinks he is. Or, I mean, he's not. The smartest man, and we do go over this, but we talk about the fact that we should not just discount him as a stupid guy because he's very, very calculated. So is the GOP. So it's so important. I wish everybody could listen to this interview because she is so smart and she's filled with reason, and she also offers hope because she explains that there are, you know, our democracy is definitely under attack, but it's not gone and we can still save it. What we need is a positive attitude in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this fear, all of this worry. And, you know, obvious the pandemic is just making it even worse. But she goes into detail talking about the fact that Trump likes to usually create his own chaos so that he can control it. The dem, I'm, uh, um, The global pandemic was not something he wanted, but he uses it to his advantage and we all know it, but she goes deeper than that. She explains what his tactics are and it's so important. It's such an important episode. I I really hope that a lot of people listen to it because I see a lot of people on Twitter giving into the fear, giving into the, um, the doom. And I know it's easy. I know it is, but we have to be rational. Um, so it was a great conversation and I know that you're going to enjoy it. But of course, you know me. Um, Before I get started, I just want to say a couple of different things. I'm going to be talking with Rob Anderson. He's a candidate running in Louisiana. He's going to be on the show on Wednesday. And I'm really looking forward to talking with him. He's a a cool follow on um, Twitter. And we've been friends for a while. Somebody actually suggested that I interview him. And I thought, you know, I don't usually interview candidates. And the reason why is because I think that, you know, I mean, my platform isn't, so great for a candidate who wants to appeal to a particular state. They're, they're better off going on MSNBC or CNN or some kind of national program where they can at least get more um, eyes and ears. But I think what's going to be great about Rob is he has such a cool perspective about things. And I think, it'll you know, I mean, obviously he's running in Louisiana, but at the same time, what he has to say is important nationally. And then I'm going to be talking with, on uh, Monday... This guy that I know, his name is Rob Sullivan, this guy. (laughs) The funny thing is, and I'll tell the story more in detail uh, next Monday, but I met him years ago when I was selling janitorial supply and my company had arranged for a seminar for him to come in, for Rob to come in and basically, you know, just kind of get everybody excited about work, which... I could not roll my eyes farther in the back of my head I am so not that team player I'm much more of a let me do my own thing so I was not looking forward to the seminar and when you know when it started I immediately saw that Rob was not one of those motivational type speakers that's just obvious and annoying he he's really cool and he's really down to earth and the deal with him is that since I've you know I I became friends with him on Facebook after knowing him through that seminar. And we've stayed in touch. And in the last several years, he has overcome cancer. He had some kind of lymphoma, and he's also, like me, practicing manifesting. And, and, and I guess you could call, I mean, we all manifest our lives because our thoughts dictate how we behave and where we go. So I know that there's a term used in, in that whole world as a deliberate creator So we manifest things whether we want to or not. And Rob is somebody, I am somebody, who believes in that we have the power um, to create our own lives. Not that we're magicians or anything like that, but that we can set an intention and then pursue that intention and, and maintain the idea that that is ours, that it is already ours, and live as if it is already ours. And then, you know, slowly you can, you can achieve the goals that you set for yourself or the desires that you have. So um, again, it's not magic and it's not like this, oh, I want it and poof, there it is. There are, there is definitely work involved. But um, one of the things I I saw a video um, where Rob was explaining that he, I think it was, he either wrote it out or it was a video, but either way, he was explaining that there is a gift In this virus. And he said, you know, I do not want to downplay the pain and the death and the illness. He said, but, you know, because I had cancer and I was over, you know, I I overcame cancer. I found that there were gifts that um, I had not even known about because of this cancer. So I think he's going to be an inspirational voice without being annoying. <laughs> he's he's so down to earth and he's so cool. And then on Wednesday, the 15th, I'm going to be talking to the, uh, the guy who runs the Daily Banter, Ben Cohen. You're going to love him if you don't know him. He's fantastic and he's got a British accent and he's so much fun to talk to. So we're going to have some fun next week talking positive, you know, like what's the positive spin on this? How can we... Um, how can we get through this pandemic without panicking and, and letting fear overtake us? And then we're going to talk to Ben Cohen, and he's just so much fun. So um, that's, I'm looking forward to those interviews. And then, of course, before the show begins, Start Me Up is an independent podcast, and it's Woman Run. Hi, <laughs> I'm the woman. And if you like the show today, I'm asking that you please um, consider becoming a monthly subscriber at patreon.com startmeup. You can join up for $2. Join up for $2, and you get each show delivered to your email box. And then if you're like, hey, I really like this show, you might want to upgrade to the $5 tier, which gets you into the patrons-only category. And what that is, is either me doing solo stuff, a little bit more personal, talking about my experiences in dating and all that good stuff back in the day, or maybe it's just going to be a a, a co-host and I, and we're going to be talking about whatever we feel like talking about. But the the thing about the patrons only is there's always more of a personal touch to it. So um, that's up to you. You can upgrade to that. Or if you're like, I have all this extra money and I really like Kimberly and I just want to support her for $10 a month or $25 a month. Uh, you're encouraged (laughs) also um, you can make the one-time donation just go to the description of the show on the Patreon page there's always a link to uh, my email address and you can go to Patreon use my email address just make a one-time payment sometimes people like to do that in the beginning because they want to just see how it you know okay I'll listen to your podcast and I'll see and then you can become a subscriber later however you want to do it it all works because it is supporting the show and that's what I appreciate and what I'm grateful for. Last thing I'm going to say is you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Um, I'm always going to plead with you to go over to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, and become a subscriber. It's free. And then also give me a rating preferably five star and a good review. So far, I've gotten some good reviews and some really great ratings. So thank you for everyone who's done that. Thank you to everyone who's done that. And it doesn't cost you anything. And it really helps me. And I would really, really appreciate it. And before I get into the conversation with Terry, uh, you know, again, always wanting to express my gratitude. I love what I do. I love this show. I am so excited about it. And I think that one of the patrons only shows is going to be about my journey getting to where I am now. And I think it's really interesting with all of the the manifesting that I've been doing, I have kind of discovered that I have, you know, manifested my way into this position, even though, let's say in 2007... I had no idea what po- podcasting was. I don't. I, I guess it was happening, but I was not part of that world. Had no idea that it could even exist. And so, you know, but but one thing led me to another, led me to another, and here I am. So I absolutely love what I do, and I'm grateful for every single patron. I'm grateful for anybody who puts you know puts out a comment, um, feedback disagree with me agree with me it doesn't matter what it is is a conversation it's a dialogue and this is something that i did manifest in my living room in 2008 when i had this kind of thought i thought you know i want to i want to have like my own website where i can just throw ideas and everybody could talk about them and we can all have this conversation going well here i am i've been doing it on facebook now i do it on a podcast i love it i love the engagement and again i want to re- reiterate that I don't mind when people disagree with me. In fact, I you know, I may not agree with you, like we could agree to disagree in some cases, but there are other cases where somebody says, Hey Kimberly, I you know, I don't agree with you on that, and here's why, and then they open my eyes to something that I had never considered. That's one thing that I will pat myself on the back. I, I try very hard not to stubbornly stick to an idea just because it's what I'm comfortable with. I am gladly um, open to adjusting the way I think when new information is presented to me. And we kind of actually talk about that a little bit in the podcast coming up. But anyway, so there's my spiel. Hope that you become a subscriber. Hope that you become a patron. Um, I love doing this show and I love talking to people like Terry Canfield because she is so knowledgeable and she's a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person to talk to, especially during these terrible, terrifying times. So please enjoy my conversation with Terry Canfield. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. And I, you know, we all, um, everybody who's aware of you on Twitter, just like hangs on your every thread, which obviously we're going to talk about today. Um, but I know that reading your threads help give me a really like fine tuned perspective on what 's happening, and sometimes it 's not fun because you 're truthful <laughs> and 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 you explain what 's going on, but truth is power, and truth helps us fight it so first of all, thank you um, for doing those threads and before we started recording, you and I were talking a little bit about the fact that um, Putin is um, like close, like I should say, Russia and Putin are very closely tied to right the right wing in this country. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that real briefly because you tweeted something. So what do you? I want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well, um, yesterday you pointed out that there was a woman in the American South mm-hmm. who um, is going to crowded church services right now, mm-hmm. and then she goes to Walmart and shops every day. Yeah, and she had said. The most absurd um, idea, which is she's she's covered in Jesus' blood, so yeah. she's protected.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's nothing I know in Christianity which talks about being covered in Jesus' blood, but that's beside <laughs> <No>. the point. <laughs> so I had noticed, what yeah, I had looked at that and you know did the eye roll. And then, then this morning, a BBC correspondent um, tweeted out an image from Russian television, and it says uh, here that the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church is currently driving around Moscow with a holy icon, blessing the city to protect it from coronavirus. The church says it's the first time such a blessing has been done since World War II, after which they say the Nazis
2: retreated. Oh, my God. And
1: what's interesting to me is how similar, Mm -hmm. I think, the America's far right wing, and also, you know, Trump and his methods are to what we see coming out of Putin, that they're really closely aligned yeah. ideologically,
0: so that that was just
1: yeah. horrifying and interesting.
0: Yeah, it is horrifying, and it's just you know I mean nobody would be surprised that Trump and Putin are similar, <laughs> um, and and also like he wants to emulate Trump. But I you know I just I'm so curious how much. Power and influence Putin actually has over him, and clearly we know he has power, but um, you know I keep thinking and wondering back to when Trump closed down the country and everybody was frantically trying to get home, and then that meant that airports across the United States were packed filled with you know was filled with people shoulder to shoulder for six and seven hours at a time and it sounds. I mean, it's a total conspiracy. I, I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, but and I'm not saying that I believe this to be true. I'm saying I would not be surprised to find out if that was maybe by the suggestion of Putin, because he like his whole point is to um, just kneecap democracy. Any way he can do <laughs> that, um, no matter no matter what. So you know, I mean, did put did Putin somehow g- get this message to Trump? I don't know. If 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 he did, I wouldn't be surprised. If it was Stephen Miller or if it was Steve Bannon, either way, it's it's all chaotic. It's all meant to tear everything down, and they mm-hmm. can use this virus. And so, you know, I mean, I look at I look at people who are you know um, evangelical fanatics and. And, and, you know, all these fake religious leaders that keep using Christianity as a weapon, and they are using this. And unfortunately, and what I don't understand, really, is these, these churches are, are urging people, you know, to go and defy this virus with the understanding that they could die. You know, the people who are going to go could, put, you know, some of them will die. I don't know what their um, goal is. It just, it, it's, it's baffling to me. How do they benefit when, when people die? You know, they,
1: I agree with you. It's completely crazy. And a lot of times, in, in fact, the thread that you wanted to talk about came mm-hmm. from you know, me sort of staring at this and saying, this is completely nuts. Like, this isn't making any sense at all. Yeah. I understand in a, in a perverse way, I understand why um, they want America to go to work. Because their right. their money is tied up in the stock market, yeah. and they they don't they're just like terrified of the economy crashing because all this time, Trump thought that that was his key to being reelected. Yeah. So I understand like the the perverse thinking behind encourage everybody to keep working because we we don't want to let the economy go, which makes no sense because you can fix an economy, but you can't fix dead. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but I get it. Send everybody to church when that's your own base. Yeah. Makes no sense whatsoever. And um, and I, so I think that in a way you stop making sense of it. They're not really worried about any kind of fallout from it. So they're not – I don't think they're worried, and they should be. I mm-hmm. think they should be. But they don't believe that – I mean, they they think they control the information so effectively Mm -hmm. that they control the narrative. And so if people do die, they'll just say, this is a New York liberal plot. Unbelievable. So they're not, they're not worried about the truth. The truth doesn't scare them. And so they, um, I don't think they want their people to die, but I think that they're, it's hard to distinguish between, um, the people who are crazy Mm -hmm. and the people who are orchestrating the chaos by manipulating the crazy yeah and it's hard it's also hard to control it so if one way to understand trump of course is that he thrives on chaos
3: mm-hmm.
1: he wants chaos he creates chaos but the thing about chaos is once you create it you can't control it yeah and so it's you know there are, but i don't think they're i don't think they're worried ab- about it um, necessarily, I mean, they're not thinking. Oh, what are we going to do when our people die? Exactly. Well, they are going to have to. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard for for rational people to wrap their minds around it.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, so let's get started on your thread. You've got oligarchy versus democracy. So you do this whole long thread on it, and you started off with the fact that, you know, like a in any kind of other pandemic, uh, well, in a pandemic. Where we had a Democratic leader, um, they would base success on how many lives are saved, but an oligarch would um, base success on whether he or she maintains power. So let's get into that.
1: Okay, so one of the things that people, one of the mistakes that I believe people make when they evaluate Trump and what's happening is they evaluate Trump it, the way that they would evaluate, let's say, a president like Obama. Yeah. And so when hmm. Trump, See, it used to happen a lot at the beginning, let's say 2016, 2017, that left-wing, left-wing, uh, left-wing, left wing, left wing, left wing, left leaning Twitter mm-hmm. would go nuts and say, "Look, Trump screwed up. Yeah. What an idiot! What yeah. a screw up!" Well, um, he was screwing up if he's trying to be the leader of a democratic Republic, because this is not how hmm. a democratic leader governs. Yeah. But if he's trying to create an oligarchy, if he's following a fascist playbook, then he's actually doing it exactly right. Right. He's, um, yeah, so he's successful. let me give you an example. So this is actually from Timothy Snyder, who's one of my favorite scholars. So Timothy Snyder poses a question. He says, if you're trying to create an oligarchy, which is what there's no doubt that that's what, um, government, what form of government um, the Republican Party wants. Mm-hmm. We could talk about what that really looks like, but that's what they want. That's what they're, they're, all of their policies are pointed toward, pushing America into a, an oligarchy. Mm-hmm. I could talk about why historically, but that's, that's what they want to do. Yeah. And so it, an oligarchy has, um, has rulers who control all the wealth and then everybody else below. And what oligarchy or fascism offers is stability. So that the rulers rule, everybody else follows, and you don't have um, you you have a kind of a a stability, um, and that's what they're looking for. So when when somebody like Obama goes to work every day, he thinks to himself, "How can I improve the lives of the people?" Mm -hmm. Because he wants to raise people up. But an oligarch wants to do the opposite. The oligarch does not want to raise people Mm -hmm. up. The oligarch wants to solidify his own power. So when the oligarch goes to work every day, what do they do? He's not thinking about how to help people raise up. He's not. He's thinking about how to – what he's doing is creating what Snyder calls governing by crisis and spectacle. So they Hmm. create crisis. They create spectacle. Politics is not about improving the lives of people. Politics is about identifying and doing battle with an enemy. So So, they create this constant round of crisis and spectacle, which keeps people from looking forward yeah. and thinking, "How can we better our lives they're thinking, "How can we annihilate our enemies?" and the enemies, of course, are liberals, Democrats, migrants at the at the border, Chinese right now, where I blame china and so the what the oligarch does as a as um, a governing, a governor or an oligarchy as a governing entity, mm-hmm. they are actually deliberately creating crisis and spectacle. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. Wow. So that's, so when so when you look at Trump and you evaluate him, as I say, as a you know as a normal leader of a democratic republic, yes, he's he's making mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you say if you look at the playbook, and there is actually a playbook. Um, of what steps you take, because they all follow the same formula. Mussolini Mm. followed the same formula. Hmm. It's not hard. It's not a secret. Then actually Trump is is doing it right. And so this this first tweet, when he said, well, in dealing with a pandemic, a Democratic leader would say, how many lives can I save? Yeah. What can we do? Well, that's not Trump's concern. No. Trump's concern is how can I maintain my ratings? How can I keep yeah. how can I make sure I win the election yeah. despite this? So that's what he's trying to do. It's that's so disgusting. It. And so that's a it's a different so if you say, wow, well, you know, we're he's screwing up and people are gonna die. Mm-hmm. Well he's screwing up if you evaluate him as a democratic leader. If you evaluate right. him as a would be oligarch, then he's He's doing things right mm-hmm. in order to try to maintain power i it won't work hmm. um i I'm betting it won't yeah, work hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but I think people need to give him more credit so right. so the, That's there's a, good a, point. a tendency to just dismiss him as an incompetent mm-hmm. you know bu- uh, you know buffoon, and if you do that, you're missing the fact that actually he's doing he's doing it right. Right. If, well, you want to, if you want to turn America into an oligarchy, he's doing it right.
0: Exactly. And that's what, you know, I mean, I tweeted out something not long ago that said, please stop referring to all these people as if they're stupid. They're not stupid. They may not be intellectuals and they may not be the smartest people, but they understand what they're doing. One thing Trump knows how to do is to stay relevant. And even though he was considered a jerk by so many people prior to his, um, you know, getting into this race and then quote unquote winning, um, he he was able to stay in the conversation. He would be on television shows. He would go on Howard Stern, and, you know, he was on The Apprentice. So he was always around. He always found a way to stay in the conversation. He certainly was not at that time dominating it like he is now um, because he is the president of the United States, but he understands that. He understands what to say to um, keep people interested in him. And so... I look at him and it's like, okay, he's not the brightest guy in the world, and he has a limited of vocabulary. And it seems as if, if you look at a, um, a videotape of him talking years ago, he, even though he was not an intellectual then, he seemed to um, be a little bit more on the ball. He's lost it. He's lost some of it, but uh, you know, he is able. He, he knows what he's doing, and he's doing a good job at that, as you point out. So you said mm-hmm. there there are two main issues that brought us here. So one, explain this one. Trump has been systematically dismantling the federal government. Yes, he's been doing this since he got in.
1: Okay, so this is um, – actually, this goes all the way back into what it is that the Republican Party has wanted to do. Mm-hmm. All the way back from, from the New Deal, right? Um, they want to – dismantle the new deal Mm -hmm. that's been even paul ryan that was his thing get rid of social security um ronald reagan made the joke he said the scariest seven words are i'm from the government and i'm here to help
2: yeah
1: and so they conditioned people to think government is bad Um, they don't want government and so um and actually i was in the south and i saw a billboard that said um I, I live in California, so I have sort of a, sometimes a sheltered, right. yeah. <laughs> um, sort of a sheltered life over here on the Central Coast. But yeah. um, I saw a huge billboard that said, "Dear government, please stop helping me. I can't afford it." Oh
0: God!
1: And so, there's, right there's, there's this idea that the Republican Party has long wanted to take apart the federal government. Remember when? Bush wanted to privatize. Pop- he wanted schools privatized, yeah, basically. Yeah. No more public schools. Right. So they want everything privatized. They want to dismantle the government. And this is a um, this is a deliberate um, a deliberate part of r- right wing and conservative. I'll put conservative in quotes here. Um, policy. So it, it, there's two parts of it. One part is return power to the state. Mm-hmm which goes all the way back to the Confederacy and states' rights issues. And that's linked to race, very much linked to race. Because after the federal government created the New Deal and ways of creating economic fairness, the federal government also took over and said no more segregation. That came from the Supreme Court, and then it was enforced by the federal government. And so um, so the— there's been a goal to dismantle the federal government, return power to the states, um, which, again, was the whole philosophy behind the Confederacy, remember? Mm-hmm. And then also the, this new twist to it, which is to privatize, mm-hmm. to, yes. to return it to industry, which is very, very dangerous mm-hmm. because that's where you get um, what one Hungarian scholar calls a mafia state, which mm-hmm. is how he talks about the post-Soviet Mm -hmm. um you know hungary and russia that the the government leaders also control industry so that's been so one way we got here is that trump has been systematically taking apart the federal government on purpose Mm -hmm. and of course the problem is that a pandemic we all look to the federal government Mm -hmm. for response
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you you need you need a central response yeah we all have to be doing the same thing. Otherwise it makes no sense. Yeah.
2: Wow. So, so that, that's number
1: one. Number yes. one is part of the chaos right now that we're experiencing comes from the fact that the, the federal government has been, um, they've been systematically dismantling it. It can be yeah. put back together again, right? Okay. It, they haven't taken it apart and destroyed it, but it's weakened right now. Right. Yes, yes. And, um, and also, the people appointed aren't appointed because they have any expertise. They're mm-hmm. appointed because they're loyal to
0: Trump. Yeah, that's all it so is. So you have, I'm sorry. I, yeah, that's all it is. It's the loyalty.
1: It's all, so you have Jared. So you had Jared Kushner in charge of a global pandemic. So that's part of the same. That, mm-hmm. Right. Part of the chaos is the, the federal government is not right now equipped to handle a pandemic
0: because they've
1: been. Taking it apart and putting in loyalists,
0: and so let me ask you this, you know it, it's aside from them not being equipped, it's almost like they're purposely f- messing it up. you know it's like and, and I don't think that they're thinking in terms of like, uh, we're going to mess it up, but it's like the actions that they're taking, somebody like me who's never worked in government, who's not an expert, who's not a science, I can clearly see what they're doing, everything that they're doing is wrong. So Mm -hmm. there's got to be some level of understanding that what they're doing, it's like, I mean, I guess I I should say it this way. This goes back to your original statement that um, Trump is not worrying about getting this right for the people. He's worrying about getting it right for himself. Right. And as far as some of this chaos is really
1: just complete incompetence. So, for example, when... When the 50 states are, um, okay, or or when, let's see, um, we found out that we were exporting what we needed. Mm -hmm. So that was really just the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. So some of it is, it's so incompetent. It's so mismanaged. Um, I don't believe that Trump wants a large death number. No, and he not, not, because he, so not because he cares about people, but because right. he thinks that's going
0: to hurt his election. Exactly. So yeah. I
1: don't, I don't believe that there is an intent to run up the death toll. Mm-hmm. I think that if if it looks like that's happening, that's yes. too much against his interest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look at Florida, and even though it was Desantis who was it was his, yeah Ron Desantis, he was the one who allowed the beaches to stay open and. Um, he wasn't closing things down until, you know, much later in the game. And it it seems to me that, I mean, obviously the country, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, Florida is filled with senior citizens who are the most vulnerable to this and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he keeps everything open. If, if, if I, okay, let me just put it to you this way. If I were a Republican who had a brain and, and was, you know, um, in charge of Florida, (laughs) I'd want those people to stay alive for selfish reasons because I most of them would vote for me, and so you know it's just it's it's really unbelievable that this is happening. It it is. It It is. And
1: you know the lieutenant governor of Texas said that grandparents should be willing to die to save the economy for their grandchildren. So you're right. It does not. That's the part that doesn't make any sense. And that. That doesn't make any sense from a rational standpoint. Yeah. But if what you're thinking is that you need the you just want the economy to keep going. Yeah. So let's let's say fifty thousand people are gonna die right. but it's the economy, economy keeps right. going and the stock market stays strong, then you say, Okay, we bury those people and we say we're not responsible for a pandemic. Yeah. But they they think that a strong economy will get Trump reelected. Yeah. So that's where the that's where it comes from. It comes from I think they made a calculation that if the economy is strong and people still have money in their 401ks, and um, and his donors are flush with cash, so some of this is also just yeah. who's
2: going to
1: who's going to finance the the campaign. So I think they thought that a high death toll will not sink Trump oh. as long as the economy yeah. stays intact.
0: Wow, how cynical is that?
1: <laughs> there's no there's nothing else that explains no. the lieutenant governor of Texas saying grandparents should be willing to die to, to yeah. save the economy. Yeah. Where first off they're conflating the stock market with the economy. So they're they're making all kinds of mistakes, factual yeah. mistakes. Not to mention this won't get them to their goal because lots of dead people is going to kill the economy, but they <laughs> so they're not really thinking this through very far, but, um, but yeah, that's, it, it it makes, it makes no sense, but that's, I think the, the fear was just tanking the economy and initially, and I think what they're doing too, is they keep, they keep turning the boat. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So initially, so it's kind of like, um, actually I was just making a joke on a whole different subject to my son. I was telling him why I didn't like physics. in in school and I I was given a vector problem, um, in college. And the vector problem was you're on one side of the river and the river is flowing at a certain speed. Where do you point the boat to get to the other side? Mm -hmm. And I worked out the problem, but I ended up writing an essay on the back Hmm. and I told the professor that nobody's going to do that. They're going to push off and keep turning. And besides Mm -hmm. the river flows at different speeds. And so it, it, in a, in a way, it's like a, sort of the right analogy for their chaoticness. Yeah. That they pushed the boat off. So initially, Trump gambled that the experts were wrong. This wasn't that different from the flu. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And mm-hmm. I think he believed that. Mm-hmm. And so he pushed the boat off, and he aimed, thinking that this really wasn't going to be that big of a deal. It was a gamble, mm-hmm. and he lost the gamble. So then they had to re- they had to turn the boat again. Yeah. So this time wow. they turn the boat because the river is flowing at a different speed than they anticipated. So they mm-hmm. turned the boat, and now they aim for keep everybody working. Okay, it's okay if people
2: mm-hmm.
1: die as long as we save the economy because that's what matters. And then – that so that's where that boat was ticked. So when they were trying to keep the beaches open, it wouldn't that, that – that's the economy down there, right? I yeah. mean, they don't want all these kids to go home. That's That's where the money comes in. So all the kids go to spring break and they spend money.
2: Yeah.
1: So wow. they're so he kept the the beaches open to try to keep money coming into Florida. And I think that's what happened also in Georgia that yeah. the, that they wanted to keep
0: open the beach areas.
2: Yeah. Georgia?
0: Right. Well Georgia. well there was George, uh, there was definitely in Florida. Maybe in Georgia too. Or I don't remember. No, right. I, don't, I don't remember which it, one. I know there's a couple of them. Right. I'm trying to remember where the beach area is. we somewhere down, you know, down um, where some of the
1: southern states that a lot of their economy is right. that yeah, they have yeah. some, you know, some waterfront. So, at any anyway, rate, so some of what looks like complete, almost screwing up on purpose, I think, is scrambling yeah. and turning the boat again and again and trying to figure out um, where, of course, a uh, you know, somebody like Obama would have, before he pushed the boat off, he would have done the, ca- he would have
0: done the calculation. Yeah. Wow. He would have figured out Exa- what's yeah, likely exactly. to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you also mention here, I'm looking at your thread, and you say there's no coordination between the administration and the U.S. Agency for International Development. So we've been exp- expor- um, exporting supplies that we need here. So that's making it worse. Mm -hmm. And that is
1: pure incompetence.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure that's complete, you know, that
1: um, that Trump has never governed from the point of view of efficiency and having the federal government help people and do what this has just never been a goal of his. And so now that he has and sort of interesting is one of the things my husband said, because when I wrote this, actually, when I first wrote this and I was working all of this out. You know, it's the only thing Trump really knows how to do is govern by crisis and spectacle. Mm-hmm. That's what he knows how to do. And then my husband offered the fact that, you know, and if, if he was a good business person, which is how he presented himself, mm-hmm. then he would be doing a better job with this. But he's not even that. Yeah. So he doesn't even know how to manage. So if you, if you had a real business person in here, that kind of thing wouldn't happen. Yeah. But Trump actually has no idea how to manage anything. Right. And so basic mistakes like that are just, um, I think, sheer sheer incompetence.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're saying too that, you know, after he lost this gamble, that he reached into his bag of tricks and there's not many tricks in the bag. So at this point we're familiar with them and we can recognize them. And, um, you know, you're talking about what he's doing uh, using these fascist tactics. So, like, what? give me an example of a fascist tactic.
1: Okay, well, okay, so when I say he reaches into his bag, mm-hmm. some people were asking me, did he want this crisis? And mm-hmm. no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Trump likes a crisis, but he wants a crisis that he creates. Yes. Because a crisis that he creates, he can manage. Mm-hmm. So, for example, he wants a crisis at the border with migrants because homeless, you know, homeless, poor migrants Mm -hmm. don't really pose a threat. Yeah. They're not really going to hurt anyone. And that's also why I've always argued that Trump isn't going to start a war because he doesn't really want a bomb falling somewhere. He wants made up manufactured crisis. And so um, and so. Right. So he took a gamble and he gambled that it wouldn't be as bad and then when she when it when the gamble failed then what he needed to do was take control of the chaos
2: yeah.
1: and make the chaos work for him so it's like okay now we have chaos it's not chaos he created that mm-hmm. he wanted mm-hmm. it wasn't the kind of emergency he wanted he does not want a real virus that's really going to kill people. He would <laughs> yeah. rather be mad at the migrants, yeah, right? Right. So, um, so then he reaches into his bag, and he wants to divert any kind of blame on himself. Yeah. Right? So what he wants to do is, okay, so one way to do this, okay, so fascist trick, I'll quote, actually I'll quote a Nazi, <sighs> um, Goebbels, he said that the mass mind is dull and sluggish, and for ideas to take root, they have to be constantly seeded and repeated. Hmm. So what Trump doesn't want is for anybody to focus on a mistake. Yes. So if you can't focus on a mistake, it's like it didn't happen. So what, what Goebbels meant here, if I'm saying his name right, what he meant here was what we saw with her email. hmm that if you take a something and you repeat it over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again, it sinks into the consciousness right. so that even people who know there was no crime start to have a doubt. But the reverse is if you do a, um, a rapid fire, nonstop fire hose of blunders and nobody can focus on any yeah. one of them, then none of them sink into the consciousness. So wow. you basically drench the population with a fire hose mm-hmm. of chaos so that you – and, you know, do things like misspell something on Twitter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There you go. Mis- put a misspelling on Twitter because then, who all of Twitter is going to go, oh, look, he's such an idiot. He's misspelling a right, word.
0: Right, 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 right. You know, and, and that, right? re- that reminds right. me, Steve Bannon in, in 2018 said, we're not going to worry about the Democrats. We're going to flood the zone with shit we're going to basically talking about the press as who um, they were focused on. And it's just what you're saying. They're flooding Mm -hmm. the zone with shit so that everybody's running around saying, look, Trump is dumb because he can't spell. And instead of really focusing on what's going on. Right. So it's a
1: a rapid fire succession Mm -hmm. of scandals. One after another, after another, after another. And so what that does is it buries the real scandals. So you have, you have um, Republican senators cashing out their stock.
2: Yeah. Ugh.
1: Right? I don't yeah. know if
2: your if you're, yes. um, listeners
1: are per, familiar with that. But yes, okay, so you have like some serious crimes happening here. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you do a freewheeling, off-the-cuff, one absurd statement after another press conference. Mm-hmm. Because then everybody's covering all of these spectacles and pretty soon what happens is the story is the spectacle. Yes. So instead of the story being the incompetence, the story is the spectacle itself. Yeah. And so that's, so these press conferences were definitely an intent to fire hose so much out there that nobody could focus, and nobody can focus anymore. So one of the examples I use, because my followers on Twitter like it, is the fact that you know the Trumps were caught cheating a charity, yes, nobody has time to focus. Can you mm-hmm. I mean, we always say what if Hillary if Hillary had actually done something like <laughs> right. that right right but but trump does so Hillary did nothing, but because it was seated and reseated mm-hmm. and reseated, something sank in. But Trump actually cheats and lies and steals so often that nobody can focus on anyone. <sighs> So they don't sink in. Yeah.
0: I mean, I was watching the, the documentary about Hillary Clinton on Hulu, and she specifically talked about that. And one of the things that she emphasized was, you know, while this whole thing was going on with her email scandal, just, you know, the ongoing never letting up on it, that the average American who wasn't paying attention to the details, only paying attention to headlines and the broader conversation, um, would just see Hillary Clinton email scandal, Hillary Clinton email scandal, 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 scandal's what stuck. And whether mm-hmm. or not the you know she was actually at fault, which clearly she was not, um, didn't matter. It was just the fact right. that all people kept hearing was Hillary Clinton email scandal, over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And so, yeah, that's exactly it. And then, you know, unfortunately... And now
1: nobody can point to anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. So you can't even say, I mean... So the whole thing about this drug, who owns stock in it, yeah. you know, Trump is promoting a drug that doesn't work, and it turns out his buddies own stock. Nobody can even focus on it. Right. And so, they're, and so they're, it's definitely on purpose. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a bury the scandal by doing 20 scandals mm-hmm. and then make the story about the fact that I'm speaking incoherently. <sighs>
0: Yes. God, exactly. Um, and then you also mentioned the other trick that he does is he makes himself the victim. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah,
1: I actually have a. Um, what, one of the things I do on Twitter is um, my daughter had set up an account that she never uses. And so um, what I did is I had her follow. At one point, I had her follow all the people that Donald Trump followed.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> and, to- and together we would yes. look at it. That's you know, interesting, it so- yeah. Sort of fun. So we would see what it looks like. And then um, if, you, if you do an exercise like that, like go on Twitter and follow like the people yeah. who he retweets and you can see what the world looks like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what the world looks like is everybody's out to get Trump. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the things they're saying is that the reason why the left-leaning media is making such a big deal about the virus is to hurt Trump. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and they believe this because mm-hmm. they see this all the time. Mm-hmm. And so they, and it gets tweeted out and retweeted. And so, right, so make Trump the victim. Like this is all, and, and again, that does exactly what you had brought up. Initially, that Trump knows how to make himself relevant. Mm-hmm. That the story is not about was was the response to the epidemic competent. The story is about Trump.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, you know it's about who's trying to hurt Trump, and and um, and then of course you have the sheer hypocrisy of after Pelosi said we need to look
0: into the response. Yeah. Then you have the very right. people who gave us Benghazi. It's just so maddening how they do this, and they're so very good at it. Um, right. And then also it's the creating the us versus them politics. You've got get the fighters fighting and keep them fighting. And, who, who who are they? Yeah. Well, who are they? Then?
1: Actually, what that comes from is I, I um, get the fighters fighting is um, from – creative writing writing fiction that they tell you to have a lot of conflict in your fiction so mm-hmm. get the fighters fighting hmm. so that's where that phrase in my in my background comes from hmm. get the fighters fighting because i notice that this is what trump does
2: yeah
1: right that's part of the way he creates a spectacle and part of the way he diverts attention and part of the way he keeps his base riled up which is what keeps him in power is he says he gets everybody fighting mm-hmm. so Turn people against each other. So I think wasn't there a a period in there when, DeSantis in Florida was saying that the virus was in Florida because New York was New York was intentionally trying to hurt Florida. Yes, wasn't there some kind of something that? yeah Right. So you pit the blue states against the red states, Mm -hmm. and then I I saw some headlines saying that some of these um, Trump supporters were saying, well. We shouldn't sacrifice the country to save New
0: right. York. Right. That was from the Federalist, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So the New York versus the rest of the country, like, what? Yeah. So this is where you set the set people against
0: each other, set the
1: country against each other. Mm-hmm. So instead of all of us working against a virus, we're blaming each other. So back to where we started with these people in some deep red rural religious areas who – that they're protected by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, if they do get infected, it's going to be the liberals. Who right, it.
0: of course. Of course it is. So
1: that's right. So that's keep, keep people fighting and blame. So, yeah. of course, what did they do? They blame China mm-hmm. when it's completely absurd. China was telling everybody about this virus, they never tried to hide it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So, blame China. And then we have all kinds of, um, you know, Chinese Americans are being attacked. Yes. So you know turn it so turn it into the kind of chaos that we like, so even though this isn't the kind of crisis that Trump wanted, he prefers to create his own that he can manage right, better, exactly yeah, he didn't want this kind of crisis once he has it, then go into your playbook and pull out your tricks, get the fighters fighting, blame China, stir up the base, and um keep everybody spinning and to do all of these things because th- this is how he's going to maintain power
0: yeah when you talk, the- yeah that's oh, how he'll maintain it and then when you talk about blaming china one of the um one of the conservative it's a conservative duo named chicks on the right and um i can't stand them and long ago back in 2012 they attacked me, and I was I was actually the spokesperson for what's called "Rock the Slut Vote," and it was basically that was born out of the Rush Limbaugh calling Sandra Fluke a slut, and so the idea of "Rock the Slut Vote" was wor- you know to take back the word and say if you're gonna if you're gonna say that women who enjoy sex and use birth control are sluts, then fine, I'm a slut. We're not gonna let you call us that name and mean anything. So anyway, um, chicks on the right, of course, mocked that whole movement and me and then so I can't help but visit their page often. There was a time when I was unable to just even go over there, but lately I've gone over there, I haven't gone over there last week, but um, what they were talking about on this whole China thing was saying that it's crazy to call it racist and they were mocking the idea that calling it the Chinese virus was racist. Um, While there were articles coming out of uh, Chinese people being, um, you know, I mean, there was a picture of a, a Chinese, I think, kid. Whose face was slashed open? So there's violence Mm -hmm. against people who are Chinese because of this, and then the right is acting like it's perfectly fine and not racist to say it. So yeah, it definitely Mm -hmm. creates division and it makes it's an us against them attitude. And then you also have you know you have blame China, blame Obama, blame Schumer, (laughs) right? Which was completely ridiculous. Yeah, so this
1: was a what I put on here. I took um I took it from I told you I you know on this other account I go in and I look at um and I do, I try not to follow those people on my Terry field mm-hmm. account that's why I do it on this other that's one a because smart idea, sometimes though. my followers will look to see who I'm following and yeah. I don't want to confuse anybody um so what I I took it off of Katrina Pearson who retweeted the, the Trump War Room?
2: Okay, and so the
1: reason I took it off of there is because the same letter, what? So the same. So Trump wrote a letter to Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. and blamed <laughs> Schumer for the whole epidemic, saying that because Schumer wasted all that time on the impeachment hoax, um, now that's why the response isn't what it should be. So basically, it was Schumer's fault and the impeachment fault. So this letter. Was floating around left-leaning Twitter as an example of idiocy. Yeah. So I went into one of, you know, I went into Katrina Pearson to look to see what she was doing, and she had retweeted it with the read in the heading from the War Room is read President Trump's epic letter to crying Chuck Schumer Uh with a whole bunch of with a whole bunch of Burning fire icons to show how burning it was. So (laughs) the the right wing saw that letter as an epic burn on Schumer. Yeah. So and it's important. That's why I took it from that context instead of, um, you know, somebody from the left retweeting it. Right. Because the left will retweet that same letter as what an idiot. Mm -hmm. But the right wing takes that same letter Mm -hmm. and says. Ooh, we really burned that Chuck Schumer.
0: I'm so glad that you're pointing out this whole... I mean, because, yes, it's so important to emphasize that they know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I hate when people give Trump credit um, or, 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 I'm sorry, discount him and, and say that he's stupid or, or any of these people, whether it's, you know, Fox people or somebody like Rush Limbaugh. They know exactly what they're doing, even if they aren't the smartest people in the world, because this isn't... What they're doing doesn't it's not rocket science. Yes, exactly. Fascist
1: tactics don't take a rocket scientist. They're not yes. hard.
0: Yes, and they are greedy. They are they are moved by greed. They are moved by selfish behavior. And all of this feeds into that. So it is so important to emphasize this because so many people write him off as stupid. I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> when I'm talking to somebody that I know and somebody who knows what my understanding of this is, I might say he's such an idiot, but you know, it's, I think in the broader sense and the more important way of framing it is that he is absolutely calculated that he may not Mm -hmm. be intelligent, but he is calculated and he is savvy. He, he has certain skills in his life and this is definitely, you know, understanding how to (laughs) um, sadly understanding how to dismantle democracy seems to be right up his alley.
1: Because they're not hard tactics. I agree with you. People, people think he's screwing up because, as we sort of started out, because they're evaluating him as as if he was trying to be exactly the president of a of a democracy. He's not trying to do that.
2: Yeah.
1: So he's so we're evaluating him by the wrong standard. So right. So this letter. So that's why I sort of mentioned this other account so I can see what the world looks like because it's a good reminder. And, um, and that the same letter that people were saying, what an idiot was, was being hailed, um, on, in the other bubble as an epic burn. And then they cheer. So, Mm -hmm. so what they do is it's, it's all about winning. It's not about, it's just who wins. Are Mm -hmm. we going to win? And so it's all about beating them. It's us against them it's the right wing against the left wing. And so it's all about, um, you know, burn and Mm -hmm. fighting. And so that's, so, so that's the trick. So when faced with a pandemic, instead of trying to figure out how to reduce the number of deaths, Trump wants to figure out how to rile his base Mm -hmm. and create trouble and keep everybody spinning with outrage. And the, one of the things that I keep trying to explain to people is this outrage. they're trying to outrage you. Yeah. They're trying to make you outraged. Yeah. And so if you play into it mm-hmm. and you go, Oh my god, oh my god, and you're running around in a spin all the time, they're cheering. They're going, Wow, look at that, I won. Mm-hmm. Because that's how they that's how they're gonna win this thing. They're mm-hmm. gonna win this by stirring by by getting everybody so worn out mm-hmm. and so sure that I there are people who are so convinced. So they go the other extreme. They go from Trump is a total idiot to oh my God, we can't stop him.
0: Right. Exactly. Yes. He's, There's he can't nothing be we being, can do. Right. And these
1: things don't go together. No. But they but but that's the that's the what I what I fight the hardest against on Twitter is that um doomsday stuff. Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I mean you know it's interesting because um I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday about um, Bernie Sanders because uh, somebody had... I I believe that Bernie is, is over now. The math is not there for him. But, you know, there's the movement that wants to keep him in and there's the movement that says he should drop out. And so I, you know, I was making the point that... I didn't make the point that he should drop out so much that I just, I don't think that we should say Biden can't beat Trump. And somebody tried to scold me and said, oh, Kimberly, you were always saying that Bernie can't win. And it's like, no, I never, ever, ever said that. What I said was Bernie, when when the, um, when the it looked like Bernie would be the nominee. Um, actually, my boyfriend, Bob Seska, wrote an article in Salon saying, here's how he can win. And he had the numbers and he, you know, there was a path to if he were to win the Democratic nomination, Bernie absolutely had a path to beating Trump, just mm-hmm. as... Uh, Joe Biden did just as Elizabeth Warren. They all did. I mean, if you're all going to look at the polls. Mm-hmm. And then if you're also going to take right. the um, Rachel Bitticofer mo model, which is it's no longer about the candidate and it's no longer about the swing voters. It's about party. So people, if mm-hmm. you look at the past elections, since Trump has um, taken power, Democrats have um, pretty much won everything. Uh, you know, certainly in 2018, we saw um General election turnout in a midterm, and I always point out how significant that is because while Obama was president in twenty, uh, it was twenty ten and in twenty fourteen, those two midterms were abysmal. In fact, in twenty eighteen, I'm sorry, in twenty fourteen, I think that was the lowest turnout in like eighty years. And so, to sh- to see that adjustment and see people, you know, flooding the polls in a midterm. Um, that all spoke to, you know, and most of the people said who voted that it was because of Trump, whether it was for or against. And I've seen two right. two election experts um, with Rachel Bitticoffer, who has, you know, said that it's not necessarily about the swing voter anymore. They've all predicted blue waves. In fact, one, his mm-hmm. name is Michael McDonald, and he wrote a, uh, something in Axios soon after the um, 2018 election, and he, he's projecting, and things might change now because of this. Pandemic, but he was projecting a 67% turnout. So, uh, you know, don't get happy. But the idea is um, people, I you know, I do think no matter who the Democrats put up, I think that person could beat Trump. And so um, I don't even remember why I was bringing this up. But, oh, I know, because you were saying. Oh, because that of the doomsday. People, right, doomsday. Right, right, the doomsday. And so it's like, I'm with you. I don't think we should. And, and I also want to just say this before I get to your other point was that. Um, especially when somebody who's influential puts out a doomsday message, it it, it like envelops everybody who follows them and it makes them feel that doom and it makes them take on that um, idea, like the idea or that ideology. And it's like, I think, you know, we have this collective perspective. And so we need people who are influential to, you know, post things that are, or talk about things that are positive, and why we're going to win, because then that gives that, you know, I mean, it's, I've been, I've been working in manifesting, and, and, you know, we're all creators of our life, and so if we project the idea of failure, then we're more likely going to fail. If we, if we think in terms of being successful and winning, then we, you know, we're we're motivated to do the things that will get us to win. But right. you know, so the opposite happens right. if we're all just feeling like, oh my God, we're never going to win. Well, then it'll be a self-fulfilling prop- prophecy. Right,
1: because of the cheating. I mean, this is yes. the problem. So they yes. say, oh, they're going to cheat. They're going to pull something out right. of the bag. They're going. Well, but why didn't they do that in 2018? Why didn't they yeah. do that in 2019? The whole i the whole Ukraine shakedown yeah. thing was all about fear. Of the election yeah so so right so actually that brings me to one of my pet peeves which is and I there are some accounts and there are some people who are get a lot of clicks and a lot of attention mm-hmm. from fear-mongering yes and a demagogue is a demagogue no matter which side of the spectrum they're yes. on and demagoguery is literally playing on people's fears stirring people's fears now what these people do is and they think of worst case scenarios which are so implausible (laughs) that um that i spend time saying these are implausible and then there's and um i can also tell you from experience like now that my my twitter feed has gotten very busy Mm
3: -hmm. if
1: i put out a a thread on the solution how to solve the problem Mm -hmm. I get about a quarter of the action, and I get a lot of people telling me why it's not going to work. Exactly, yeah. Oh, but if I, I put that. a thread pointing out the problem, yeah. then I get widespread. So I can tell you from experience that if you are a doomsayer on Twitter, and you've got some credentials, and you back it up, and you do doomsaying, you can, you can build up a big following, and you can monetize it. Mm-hmm. And I consider that profiting off of a pandemic just the same as anything else. And there are some large accounts that are doing it. And I feel like I spend a lot of time putting out the fire. And some of these doomsayers, they completely abandon logic. Mm -hmm. Right? The things they say make no sense. So I was talking about how mail-in ballot is really the solution to Mm -hmm. everything. Bad. Bad, bad voter, um, or these bad um, machines. And I have some experience with election law. We could mm-hmm. talk about that, but I've, I've monitored elections and I'm on the Georgia voter protection committee right now. So I have some, some experience with this and mail-in ballots will solve a lot of problems. Yeah. So then I get someone saying, well, what about UPS is going to go out of business and they're going right. to, there's not going to be UPS. And moreover, how are they going to mail things to people without UPS? And it's like, like, is someone paying you to do this? I know, like, I know. Like, it's so ridiculous. It because is, Because first off, if UPS, if UPS went under, I could still manage the election in California. Right. It's not hard. It's not hard. I could do mail-in ballots without the mail. It's not hard. This is a, this is not a problem. But also, the idea of UPS um, going out of business would tank this economy. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets elected with a tanked
0: economy that
1: it's just okay, so there i had a, I had my little rant
0: about the um, <laughs> no I'm, and I'm right there about with you. thing yeah. I mean,
1: that people are profiting, so I want to say to all of your listeners, if there's an account or there's a publication that keeps stirring you to fury and anger and you're spinning and you're enraged, consider this: you can't plan when you're enraged and Mm -hmm. even in a crisis, even in a plane crash, a cool head can save lives. Yes. I actually looked up the statistics and most plane accidents, people survive. Huh? So, so the idea, I got that from a, from the, um, federal website that, you know, there are obviously plane crashes where they're completely fatal, but a lot of accidents, really people do, do survive them. And a cool head is what we need, and yeah. having everybody stirred up to these doomsday scenarios that are completely yeah. out of the range of normal is, is not productive.
0: Right, and then, I mean, there are certain people who have those accounts, but, like, there's somebody that I know who's a genuinely good person, does not necessarily put out the doomsday on their Twitter feed, but I'm in a Twitter uh, DM group with them, and he's a very smart guy, and he's often just completely filled with doom and i mean it's funny because my mother has always referred to me as the crack of doom which i really um i it as i mentioned before i have been working on manifesting because i i have a tendency um if i if i really want something or if i have hope for something i think what what would happen in my mind is that i was so afraid to hope for it that i would um Explain all the reasons why it would never happen, and I would go down a rabbit hole. And I think that that's kind of and and I've been working on not doing that. And it's been since the beginning of the year. And I mean, there's also been a a side of me that is helpful, and there's a side of me that's confident with that. But then there's that you know, little part of me that when I'm feeling um, afraid or insecure, I will jump into the negative, and then I become it's the rabbit hole. Where I just keep saying, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and this is going to happen, and doom and gloom and doom and gloom, and so, excuse me, um, this person that I know, I don't think he's profiting off of, off of it, <coughs> but what you know, he's he's believing, he's buying into it, and of you know, course, what, and, there, and there's yeah. a big
1: difference. Yes,
0: I agree. That's
1: the way I solve the problem is I cannot tell the difference between chaos agents and people who are genuinely scared. I yeah. can't tell the difference. And so, and even some of my longtime followers who have been literally following me since I had like, you know, a hundred followers. So I know who they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll go off into this, so I cannot tell the difference, and I'm not going to try. So the way I solve the problem <sighs> is I built a, a frequently asked questions page, hmm. and I put all That's the doomsday questions I get with yeah. answers.
0: Such a good idea.
1: And and, sorry, and also on the page talks about. Despair and anguish and frustration and um, and all of these things that are that are, and so I, I point out all the logic, like why these doomsday s- situations. Sure, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump could fire off a nuclear bomb. Like I'm not saying that that these aren't in the range of possibilities, but some of them are so remote that how much time are you going to spend on them? Yeah. So I call them, I call them what if rabbit holes. Right. So I have it frequently <laughs> asked questions. And Very often when I get a question, I will retweet the question and I'll say, sounds like you need to see, you need to read my frequently asked questions. <laughs> and so That's good. I retweet it with, with the link. And, um, and that way, the people who are sincerely scared, I try to talk them off the ledge. Yes we're, we are in scary times, Right. but there's a fine line between, and we need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line between raising our awareness so that we become active and
0: engaged and do the things we need to do to save democracy and the kind of doom saying that actually shuts people down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, you know, interestingly, when I started my whole um, social media presence, I initially, you know, had put out the book uh, *The Virgin Diaries*, which, by the way, turns 10 years old this month. But um, you know, I was kind of like uh, a person who didn't really know what they were doing. I had no presence on social media. I wasn't a famous person, and I was looking to build an audience. And so my mindset was, okay, I'm going to study other people, and this was primarily on Facebook, but I thought I'm going to study other people who have really successful pages. And, you know, there was this one author who, cause I, I, obviously I was an author and I was coming from that perspective. So there was an author who asked a lot of questions and he, um, he, he's a black man who wrote um, kind of like uh, erotica, a little bit of erotica fiction for, for, for women. And it was people of color um, were the main characters. And so he, you know, he tapped into this market that, you know, there was just tons of women who were eating this up and loving it. So he would put questions on his page and ask about sex and, you know, and it seemed a little um, somewhat controversial, but it was great. You know, and I saw that he, he was able to steer conversations. And then I realized as I, you know, I'd watch him and I'd watch other people. And what became very clear to me was you can get people to say what you want to, like, if you have some kind of a, a thought. Um, I believe X or whatever it is, um, but you don't necessarily want to say it. And you want if if I say to someone, um, "This is how it is," then someone might argue with me. But if I ask a question and I say, "How does this happen?" then they're gonna then they'll be the ones to tell me. And so hmm. I can get people. Not that I use this in a negative, manipulative way, but I realized very quickly that you can get people to say your point for you if you are skilled at understanding that people want to be led. And, and I'm one of those people. It's like, for instance, when I see um, something that's upsetting to me in the news or something like that, I want to turn to somebody like Rachel Maddow or I want to turn to Lawrence O'Donnell because they lead me into understanding it better or someone like you, in fact, because you will lead me into understanding it better. And then what I do is I because you're an expert so I can look at your threads and I can take from them. And then what I do is I go back out in the world and repeat them. And so when I say people want to be led, I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I mean that like in the most sincere way, we all want that. We all want someone to tell us how to give us the truth. And, um, well, maybe we don't all want the truth, but you know what I mean? It's like somebody who mm-hmm. is seeking the truth. You're looking for the truth, even if it's not tr- you know, you don't want it to be coated, You want to know the facts. And so, um, you know, this all goes back to the conversation of how the right is using that in a negative way. They understand that people want to be led, and they understand that if you just simply pose a question, you've got a, a, like a leading question. You've got all these people jumping on, and they are all validating it, and validating it, and validating each other, validating themselves. And it's crazy. So it's like the the Internet can be such a great place, but it's also people don't understand how easily they can be manipulated. And I I remember uh, not too long ago, I posted that smart people can be brainwashed. And interestingly, um, Tim Wise, who has been on my show, this was prior to him being on my show. He is a uh, uh, an expert on. Um, racial discrimination and all that, he he argued with me. And he was saying, no, that's not true. N- smart people can't be um, manip. It's only the stupid people. And we, we kind of got into it. But then um, we kind of came to an understanding. And then he did agree to be on my show, which was awesome. But the idea is, you know, I know v- a lot of smart people, you know, educated people, I should say. Maybe not, um, m- maybe that they're not psychologically smart about human nature, but maybe, you know, they are, educated people who have graduated college, but they get immersed into this universe. And as you said, if you follow Trump's followers and you just listen to that message alone, if you live in that echo chamber, you start believing it. You hear it all the time, every day, and it's repeated, and it goes in and goes in and goes in, and it just becomes part of your thought process even. And I'll never know the guy's name. I'll never say it correctly. So I can't even remember, but he did. He did he's a journalist, McKay, somebody McKay, and I just can't remember his name, but he did an article not too long ago talking about the fact that he did immerse himself into the Facebook world, um, of following Trump Trump pages and, and right wing pages. And you mm-hmm. know, once he'd follow one, he'd get all kinds of suggestions to follow others. And so being in that universe, even though he understood facts and he knew what the truth was, he knew the truth, yet he questioned it because he was filled with all of this right. misinformation. And so brainwashing it's it's, nobody's immune to it i'm not immune to it smart people aren't immune to it it's just a matter of reinforcing these uh ideas in your head and then those ideas become beliefs so it's right and
1: in the power of suggestion no Mm -hmm. i totally agree with you and um you can see i know some very very smart people who are completely unaware of their own confirmation bias
0: yeah Exactly, exactly. And it's like, I wish more people would kind of wake up to that because I did. And, I, and I've said before, you know, I used to be a Bernie supporter. I'm not anymore. But when I was, I was in all these Bernie groups. And it was in 2016. And initially, those groups started out as really um, positive. And, you know, if somebody were to say something negative about Hillary Clinton, everyone would jump on them and say, no, we're not here to bash her. We're here to promote the guy that we think is the best candidate. And then when when Russian trolls really started infiltrating um, social media, I think it was around April of 2016, those same groups became, you know, just these pits of hatred and everything was anti-Hillary Clinton. And I understood, I can look back on it and I can see how even though I never turned against her and hated her, I definitely, those suggestions put seeds of doubt in my head about her. And after watching the Hillary um, Hulu thing, you know, I mean, whether you like her policies or whatever, doesn't even matter. It's just understanding how she has been um, dealing with this machine that has been spreading mis- disinformation about her since the very beginning, Um it's like, and then, you know, the Russians come in and they really push it. You know, I'm a smart person and I, I believe that I, um, you know, I go beyond the obvious. I, I try not to just fall for anything, but I was still questioning her. I, I can take a step back now and say, okay, I get how I was influenced, but I wish more people would would admit that that's possible instead of getting stubborn and like putting their foot down and, s- and doubling down on whatever it is that they ha- have been told and you know they they don't want to think they're a lemming and it's not that you're a lemming it's just like you said it's the power of suggestion
1: right and people really have to understand how successful the russian tactics are they're incredibly yeah. successful yeah. They're, and they have a long history um, they've been using these tactics and refining these tactics for decades mm-hmm. and they're one of the you know um, thing that's very important for people to remember again you know it's a sort of doom thing, is that one goal of active measures, important goal, is to undermine confidence in democratic yes. institutions. Yeah. And so all of these people who it's hard to tell the difference between the the people who are, um, stirring, you know, the chaos agents mm-hmm. and the people who are scared when they come up with one creative reason after another why the 2020 election is going to be stolen.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, this is how is that different from a concerted campaign? campaign to undermine democracy by causing people to lose faith right and so you even get every time the supreme court makes a bad decision people are running around going the whole supreme court is corrupt right i mean listen it takes a little bit of history with the supreme court to know that we've had some we've had bad decisions like Mm -hmm. we've we've had only two somewhat liberal supreme courts in all of our history Mm -hmm. and we a supreme court gave us Plessy versus ferguson said segregation was constitutional and was at I forget eighteen ninety six.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We had a Supreme Court tell us that that um, minimum wage violated the Constitution because it undercuts our ability to enter freely into contracts. Hmm. That was a Supreme Court case. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: good point. A, a little bit of history helps yeah. with that, but there, are, you know, that's one of the problems with social media mm-hmm. is that people get this idea mm-hmm. and then they go, you know, flaming negative. Which yeah. is exactly feeds into the yeah.
2: campaign,
1: which is our democracy is under attack, mm-hmm. and part of the attack is to get people to lose confidence in the institution. Yeah. So when people run around saying, "Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God," you know the whole election's going to be stolen." And there's no logic behind what they're saying. Um, and I'll give you a quick example. So there's two lessons to take away from the impeachment. Um, proceedings. One is that the whole plot was blown wide open. Mm-hmm. And if they hadn't blown this wide open, then what would have happened is Ukraine would have announced an investigation into Biden and nobody would have ever known mm-hmm. that Trump was behind that, mm-hmm. which would have completely crushed Biden. Right. So one one way to see the impeachment proceeding is that the whole plot was laid open and it was completely exposed and it didn't work because it was exposed. Yeah. That's the lesson I get. People come along and say, well, what we learned from impeachment is that they can get away with anything because there were no consequences. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just as, – as a lawyer and as a criminal defense lawyer, you say, well, what consequence did you want? Right. You know, <laughs> did you really, really, really expect Trump to get, like, hauled out of the Senate and handcuffed? Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think,
0: yeah, exactly. Go ahead. (laughs) That's not going to happen. And uh, obviously we can see now that the right will do anything to save themselves because they understand that they are, I think, imploding. And so they're basically in the um, do-whatever-it-takes mode to just stay in the game and cheat and lie and confuse and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think... I think initially there was maybe some hope that Repub- some Republicans might st- stand up, but just not enough of them did. And after –
1: And I we, I don't think anybody thought he was going to actually be removed,
3: which
0: no. would have taken no. 67. Right.
1: But we hoped that more would break away.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, we hoped that more but, would break we, but away. But
1: we did succeed, right? I mean we – found out what was going on Mm -hmm. (laughs) we learned it was you know the whole plot was blown open but but at any rate so that's you know that's an important thing to remember um one of the things that i often say is that things are going to get worse Mm -hmm. they're going to get more crazy Mm -hmm. um trump is going to keep finding ways to stir you up and enrage you Mm -hmm. and get you spinning but we have to stay focused Mm -hmm. on what it is that we can do and there are lots of volunteer opportunities there are committees Mm -hmm. every state every person should be finding out what their state has in terms of
0: um in terms of voter support and voter protection there's plenty of work yeah well and then we can also you know like find out if your state offers like for instance my state offers um mail-in ballots so request those mail-in ballots and do what you can do what you can to improve things instead of Going on social media and screaming how the sky is falling because, of course, yes, as you said, we are dealing with a lot right now, and we are under attack in many different ways. But that doesn't mean that we're going to lose. Just don't take on the we're going to lose. I do see a lot of that, and so everybody should just follow you. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very funny. Well, um, but I,
1: because you, you I, have a, I have a teenager, and so sometimes getting some Twitter <laughs> love, you know. When I when I speak at home, my teenager rolls his eyes. And so, once in a while, I'll say, "People listen to me on Twitter," and he rolls his eyes.
0: So. Well, you know, teenagers love—they just know everything, so they have to roll their eyes. I mean, <laughs> that's the way it goes when you're a teenager. But yeah, I mean, it's—it is important. You, you know, what you do is important, and I'm—I'm I'm not just saying that. I'm—I'm I'm saying that literally because it there there is so much out there and it's important to s- to stick with the people who are level headed and who have the facts and understand what's happening because you know it's true that knowledge is power and knowledge will get you out of a problem so like it's unfortunate that w- when you post solutions you get naysayers or negative comments as opposed to, because it's much easier to jump onto the problem and start screaming and complaining about it. Right. So, um, I think that's, you know, I've always said that, you know, people are motivated when they're fearful, you know, either angry or fearful as opposed to comfortable. Um, but then, you know, it's like, okay, they get that motivation instead of being, you know, they're like motivated to vote. When they're fearful. I mean, we all can look at like, say, 2008 and see what happened. We saw, you know, the economy uh, take a big dump. And then we have this man who is just this great orator, and he's extremely intelligent and he's putting hope back into the conversation. And yes, we can. And then like everyone jumped on that because he was offering the uh i guess you could say solution and in that case it worked but i you know i think right now there's so i mean the 2008 crash is almost like a cakewalk compared to what we're going through now because it's you know as you said the fire hose of constant constant it's it's mis disinformation it's um fear it's anger and it's all this negativity and we're all very you know i mean it's, we're wrapped up in it but there is some good news at least i know that um I read a statistic that only 18% of Americans are getting their politics on Twitter. So, I guess there's, you know, yeah, good. <laughs> and it doesn't mean there, it doesn't yeah, mean all I, the rest of them know what's going also, on.
1: Um, yeah. Because you know, yeah, that's that's good. Although Twitter can be great depending on, oh, of on course, who you follow. Yeah. I have two lists. I mean, I have a list of legal analysts who I follow yeah. and I have a list of um, of news sources that I follow. Yeah. And what's good about Twitter is if you're really interested, you can find out immediately and you can also get a myriad of voices that yes. you respect, mm-hmm. but you can also get, um, you know, it's that, again, it's that line between we need a little bit of, you know, the kind of concern, a healthy concern, yes. you know, yes, we're in, in democracies in danger. That means we have to all do our part. And so we have to do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than crossing that line into it's hopeless.
0: Yes, into panic and fear. Yeah, because whenever mm-hmm. decisions are made out of panic and fear, they're usually not good decisions. But when you have somebody who's controlled and um, understands what the problem is, it's like you said, flying a plane. People will live if you have somebody who's measured and controlled the helm. So so there's that. But, uh, you know, I just thank you for going over this. You So much good information. I wish everybody could just be forced to listen to you (laughs) because I'll call my
1: teenager whenever somebody says something
0: like that just like make a little recording (laughs) and play it for (laughs) him everybody should be forced to listen to Terry Kainfield but no I I mean that sincerely because you're you're a voice of reason you're calm and you're reasonable and um, when when we have the information and we have a calm and steady way of thinking even during Scary times, we can manage it much better. So, thank and you. And we f- can
1: get out of this. We yes, can.
0: and and I thank we you can. for being a voice in this that is calm and measured because this, we need all we can get. And, um, you know, you just do a fantastic job. So, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm going to put your information into the description of the Patreon uh, for or uh, in the in the Patreon description of the show. But why don't you tell people? where to go to find your work
1: oh okay well i have an author website and that would be com. okay probably more interest um right now a lot more people are interested in my blog so i do a blog and when i do a a lengthy twitter thread i put it up on a blog okay as a blog post and so um especially if you don't like twitter and you don't like reading things (laughs) like as a sort of a tweet chain. Right. Um, you can subscribe to my blog and that would be, it's um, if you search for my name, it comes up. It's like okay. Terry Canfield dash blog, you know, something really right. original like that. <laughs> it's <not my> <laughs> yeah, it's Terry Canfield, one word, dash blog dot okay. com. And the, the title of my blog is Leftover. I'm also an author. Um, so the title is Musing About Law Books and Politics. And um, so that's, that's where I'm putting my legal commentary right now.
0: Okay. All right. Well, and I yeah, will and be course, sure to. Li- and of course, Twitter. Yes. And I will be sure to link that in the Patreon description, as I said. And, um, you know, absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. It's always uh, a treat to talk to you and read your threads. So thank you. And, you know, I'll be asking you back again. <laughs> okay. Well, great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, you take care and be safe. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye bye. Wow. I, I really seriously wish, like I said, everyone could listen to her on this podcast. I mean, I, I hope that more people follow her and read her threads because she is such a voice of reason. And it's important to stay measured. I mean, I, I almost feel like a hypocrite because I have a tendency sometimes to go down that rabbit hole. And, but what if this happens? What if, but, but I'm actively working on not doing that. And, and, and frankly, you know, reading her threads help because it it takes away that panicked feeling and it puts everything into perspective. Yes, we are in danger, but we also have a choice. So um, there are many things that we can do. And the thing is, is that, like, you know, during the primaries when there were all these candidates and, in you know, there was one, you know, the Biden crowd says Bernie can't win and the Bernie crowd says Biden can't win and the and the Kamala crowd was saying this one. Everybody's saying this one can't win because they wanted their one candidate and they were – pushing the idea that their, their candidate was the only candidate who would beat Trump when the truth of the matter is, and this is very basic, if we just all shut the fuck up and come together and vote, that candidate will win. You know, everybody says, I'll, I'll vote for a flaming pile of shit. If we all just shut the fuck up and, vi- and vote for that steaming pile of shit, <laughs> or flaming or whatever I just said, that would win. So it's like, instead of, instead of explaining why the, the, the Democratic nominee won't win, just stop. The Democratic nominee can and will win as long as voters make that happen, period. And it's not like, it's not like an, a, 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 a race between somebody who's not that great and somebody who's okay. No, this is between Donald fucking Trump who is like the evil fucking devil And then anybody else? It's not fucking rocket science. So anyway, I'm done. Um, (laughs) Real quick, I'll just say follow me um, on Twitter, author Kimberly, uh, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can find my books on Amazon, Kimberly A. Johnson. And I'm going to be talking, like I said, to Rob Anderson of Louisiana, candidate in Louisiana. He's going to be interesting. We're going to be talking to him on Wednesday. So I will see you all then.